Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. I want to preach a Bible story to you without really telling you what the Bible story is until we get about halfway into it. And the title of my message today is The Story of the Stick. So I want to talk to you today about the story of the stick. And uh, it's pretty cool today. I believe everything is down in the lower thirds. Is that right, guys? It's down like in the lower part of the screen. So you'll be able to read along the scripture with us. But this is the story of a stick. Anyway, um, this is the story of the stick uh, found actually in scripture. uh, We're filling in some of the blanks though. But let let me just start with my first point. I have four points for you today. The first point with regard to this stick is that this stick went from a seed to a stick. Um, The farmer, there was a farmer about 3,500 years ago in northern Egypt who who desired to have some almond bushes, all right? And so almond trees, almond bushes grow pretty well uh, in that climate. And so he was a poor farmer. He had some seeds, some almond seeds, and he went out, he went out in, into his, his, his property and he looked for some, some good soil. He found a small spot of good soil and he planted uh, a few different almond bushes. And uh, of course, it requires a lot of watering and a lot of uh, manure. Come on, somebody, you gotta pack that stuff in there. You gotta, to- you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take, he very carefully tended to his new uh, garden, if you will. Right, so he dug a hole after he had tilled up the ground. He dug a hole for each seed and carefully spaced them out apart from each other. And, and uh, he would come back on a, on a daily and a weekly basis, making sure they were watered well. And he started to see little shoots coming up from the ground. He's excited, right? Uh, this, is the, this is the beginning, is the beginning of the fruit that he's been working for. And so he comes back uh, a few weeks later and a few weeks later, and he goes through that first summer, and there's, there's, there's some growth beginning to happen. And then, and then throughout the winter, you know, everything looks dead, but then the springtime comes, and, and these, these, these bushes are still alive. And this, this happens for, for a while, for a couple of years. He's tending to his, his grove, if you will, his new garden of, of almond bushes. And, 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 and it doesn't take too long before they start sprouting and giving some fruit, which are almonds. I don't know if you've ever seen an almond bush, but basically these leaves come out and then this, this sort of bulb sort of shape thing comes out and it hardens. And uh, when, when, when it's really hard, then that means it's ripe and you can pull it off. You can crack it open and on the inside are almonds. Um, so man, 3,500 years ago, it was, a real, it was a real nice thing to have for a family. Even now, if you're on the quarantine diet, Come on, somebody. If you're on the quarantine diet, almonds are a great source of protein. Almonds taste pretty darn good, and they're, you know, not that expensive. So uh, anyway, he's planting these almond bushes, and finally the spring comes, which is, which is when they begin to produce fruit. And so finally they're producing fruit. He goes and he, he plucks the fruit with his family. They crack open and get out the good ones, throw away the bad ones, you know, and they finally get to eat some fruit. This happens for a little while, for a couple of cycles, a couple of seasons. And, and, then, and then before long, there's one particular bush which is really outperforming the other ones. You know, there's always... There's always one uh, really, really high achiever, and there's one particular stick within that bush that, that's growing faster than anybody else, and it's growing higher than anybody else, and, and the farmer takes note of this. That one stick is not only growing so well on its own, it's also producing other 
branches off of it. So it's using some of its resources to be even more fruitful because there's the fruit of the stick, but then there's these branches that are growing and those branches start producing fruit and, and, and the, the stick is growing higher and higher and the farmer takes note of this. And so now I want you to use your imagination just a little bit. Use your Disney brain for just a little bit and imagine that you're that stick. You're the one that's higher than everybody else. You're the one that, that is outperforming everybody else. You're the one that is most recognized and probably most prized by the farmer because you're doing so well. And the farmer always checks on you. The farmer always makes sure you're doing all right. And, and now here, here in the wintertime, he's even doing some things where he's, he's driving some stakes next to you and tying ropes to you to help you grow even straighter. If you can grow straighter, you can grow higher. You can grow taller. And so now he's prepping you for the next level. Come on, somebody, go into the next level. And, and, it, and the next level is wonderful because it's always wonderful, of course. And, and it's going to be awesome. And, it's, and this next season... You are so looking forward to the fruit that you're going to be able to produce for the farmer. It's incredible. The spring is starting. You, 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 uh, buds begin uh, forming all over your branches, all over your main stalk, and, and leaves start growing. And, the, and the, 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 you, you, you know the fruit is just around the corner. But that day, the farmer comes to the grove and he, he doesn't treat you like he had treated you before. He, he loosens the rope. He puts away the stakes and he starts at the top of the branch and he starts uh, snapping just little little branches that have grown off of you you know the ones that you just started working on uh, they start they start breaking and you think well maybe the farmer's clumsy he's accidentally uh, breaking some things but he he continues on down the stick down toward the base and, and he gets down to some other uh, branches that have taken a little longer they're thicker he has to use his his fist and he grabs it and puts his weight on it and snap and strips off that stick and he tosses it aside and and now you realize that he's working his way down he's working his way all the way throughout your entire existence until he gets down to the near the root system where the where the where, where, where the branches are that you've been working on for your entire life these are branches that are growing really well these are branches that are really fruitful and the farmer can't quite snap those off with his hand he has to go get the axe and he starts chipping away at those branches until those branches are finally gone and then the farmer does the unthinkable he takes his axe and he, he's not chipping away your branches anymore now he's cutting at you and at, at, at the very base of you, I mean, I mean, he is disconnecting. You feel, you feel the, 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 the blade chopping into your connection to the root system, and you realize what's happening. And the, the blade continues to hack and to hack and to hack until finally you hear the crack and, and you fall. You fall. You, 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 you were a fruitful stick, but now you, you look like this. My kids found this on a trail and I imagine this is what you would look like completely stripped down completely broken completely disconnected from your life source so as I'm sharing this story about a stick I hope you realize I'm not just telling you about sticks I'm not really that interested in sticks I'm interested in you and I'm interested in me and I'm interested in my family and in my kids and, and what I see all around the world right now is people are being broken down People, um, the things which, 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 which they thought were making them fruitful before are being snapped off and broken off. And in many ways, I want you to know that this is not necessarily a bad thing. 
Obviously, the coronavirus is a bad thing. God didn't, I don't believe, cre- I don't think he created sickness, and I don't think he sends sickness. But I do believe God uses some of these awful things that ha- happen and currently are happening right now in the world. He uses them for his glory. He's still sovereign. And so it's still part of his plan and he has the capability to to watch you be quarantined to watch you lose your job to watch you be fearful for your own health and for the health of your family members he has the ability to watch that and at the same time use that and so god if if you are being broken right now if you're losing a lot of things if you are feeling disconnected you ought to know that this is not unusual for people that follow god this is not strange uh, this, this happens many times. And you say, why, 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 why does God do this? Well, you know, I can't tell you that because I'm not God. But I do know that, that there's some good things that come out of this. I, I know one good thing is I haven't been seeing any more of those cheesy memes anymore. You know, the, the, the ones it's like, uh, the devil said to me, can you handle the storm? I whispered back, I am the storm. Uh, yeah, yeah, nobody's posting that anymore, you and your quarantine self. Hand me a blanket. Okay, storm. You know, you can't even, like, man, no, you're not a storm. You're a puddle. I mean, maybe, maybe, just maybe the breaking and the stripping down and the disconnecting is helpful because it reminds us that we are not God. It reminds us that we're not as strong as we thought that we were. It reminds us that we're not as secure as we thought we were. We're not immortal. It's amazing how all over America, especially, there have, been, there have been things that have just been being broken off, right? Our love of sports and entertainment has just been completely broken off. Our ability to go out to eat and sit in a restaurant has been completely broken off. Our, 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 our illusion of safety that somehow stuff that affects people in other regions of the world will never actually affect us, that's been broken off. And, and, our, and our strong dependence on the government, somehow they're going to save us, that's been broken off. Our ability to believe that the CDC is going to create a vaccine that will always deal with everything. That's been broken off. And, and suddenly the economy has been starting to chip and to break. And some of the stuff that is at the very foundation of our country is also being chipped away at. And I'm telling you, it's not all a bad thing. It feels like a bad thing. Trust me, when you're the stick, it feels like a bad thing. Because everything you've been working on, you might be home right now and you, you, maybe you've lost your job. We have people at City Chapel that have lost their job. We have people at City Chapel that haven't lost their job, but they're not allowed to work. It's kind of like losing a job for an extended period of time. We don't know how long. And you're stuck and you can't be productive. And the stuff you used to look down around yourself and say, yeah, I'm valuable because of this and I'm valuable because of that. All of that stuff has been taken away. And that's another thing that's actually pretty good about these times in these times of mass crisis one it's good to remind ourselves we're not god we're not sovereign we're not in control uh just because you say jesus god doesn't jump that's what my pastor said one time god don't jump when you say jesus uh i love that because because even because even in the church like you can you can get saved and still have a lust for power and you can see the name of jesus as a means of getting power in order to do whatever you want to do and that's not how it works I mean, if that was how it worked, like, wouldn't, wouldn't, I mean, if words created worlds, come on, somebody, wouldn't we have created a world by now that doesn't have coronavirus in it? You can speak it all day long, but if God is not in it, you can, you can face the East and chant China for 48 hours, but if God is not in it, 
this is just, just your attempt to manipulate God. You can, heck, you can even cut yourself and dance around the altar of your own ego. Well, I'm getting too deep in that. But it's, maybe God, maybe your God's sleeping. Maybe he's on the toilet. I don't know. I'm quoting Elijah. But no, seriously, we cannot, God will not be dictated to. He will not be ordered around. He's not a child. You are not in charge of him. I am not in charge of him. And the beautiful thing about these moments is it reminds us who we are. We are the creature. We are the created. He is the creator. He, his words create worlds. His words literally fling galaxies into existence. Our words are only powerful if they reflect and echo his words. And so in these times, look, his words are not, he's not eradicating coronavirus right away. And I don't know why he's not doing it. I'm praying, many people are praying, but he's not doing it. He's allowing us to be broken and stripped down. He's allowing, he's getting us to a particular place. And and this happens for many people who follow God. It happened for me, actually, several times. Uh, But I mean, one one time that I talk about occasionally, Rose says I talk about it a lot, but um, it was right after Roe and I got married. We quit our jobs with the ministry that we were in, and we traveled around the country. I was interviewing with uh, multiple other churches that had offered me jobs, paying jobs, really great jobs, awesome churches. We would go interview. We would we'd stay for Sunday morning. We loved it, and then God just wouldn't give us peace about any of the jobs. And so we don't believe in being directed by, by finances or by opportunity. We want to be directed by God. And so we said, God, just wherever you want us to go, like just tell us and we will go. We even came down here to Texas for a while uh, to visit around some churches. And it just wasn't, God wasn't allowing that until, until we drove into Tennessee. That is actually God's country, you know. There's a reason why all, all, all their Texas exes live in Texas, but they hang their hat in Tennessee. Because Central Tennessee is beautiful. I'm sorry, Texas. It's gorgeous. It doesn't ever get to be a thousand degrees, and it doesn't ever get to be zero degrees. It's just, it's just a beautiful place. And so we drive into Franklin, Tennessee. Roe goes into Whole Foods, right? I mean, it was like, oh, and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, I just like, there's this peace that comes over me. And Roe gets in the car, and I'm like, babe, do you feel something? She's like, yeah, I just feel really, really good about this. Uh, now, on the on paper, it didn't look good because it was a small church that had offered us to come and work for them for free because they couldn't afford to pay us because they were meeting in a YMCA. And so we go to church the next day and it was crazy the way things, God just lined things up within two weeks. Seriously, we never met these people. Within two weeks, we had purchased our own home. We never bought a house before. We had purchased, I didn't even have a job. We purchased our own home. And, uh, and it, was, it was crazy the way God lined everything up. And we were there for about a year. And it was clearly God's plan for us, but it was not fun. In fact, I didn't like it at all. Uh, now, 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 I love the church. I really did. I love the church. But honestly, the pastor there wasn't very good at delegating. So he wanted me to come help, but he didn't really know what he wanted me to do. So he just had me do things that I didn't need a college education for, like, you know, mowing the lawn. So I became his sort of lawnmower guy, um, which, hey, I'm happy to do. Uh, but I would also like to do some other things. But I, I wasn't being allowed to do anything. So I'm mowing his lawn. He would call me up. One, one, one day he called me up. He's like, why don't you come over to my house and, and uh, help me go through my wardrobe? Because you look like you kind of know what, what cool, what, what, what's cool, what's in right now. And so like he was holding up clothes. And I'm like, yeah, no, 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 yeah, no. You know, it was that kind of thing. I was like, you don't need a, you know, a Bible college degree in Christian ministry with a minor in New Testament Greek to tell somebody what's cool and what's not. Like this is not what I was made for. And it was so frustrating. I felt stuck. 
I felt like things were breaking off of me. I felt like opportunities were going away and I had actually turned down a lot of opportunities and I felt like I was just stuck. And one day um, we had this worship service at the church and like I say, it was an awesome church and God's presence was there. I just felt his love so strongly. I came home to our shack. We lived literally in a shack. We lived in a horse farm, which is not my idea of a great time, okay? And, and not only that, we had all of these horse stalls that we had to clean out. So every day, I'm not preaching, I'm not praying for people, I am mucking out, that's the official word, mucking out horse stalls. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but it's not a glamorous job. You gotta get all those little golden nuggets, and you gotta get all the soiled sawdust, and you put it in this trailer thing in the back of a, of a four by four, and, and then I would drive the four by four out into the field once the trailer was chuck full, these golden nuggets, and uh, then I would lift this lever, and, and you lift the lever, and the conveyor belt starts moving the golden nuggets toward the back of the trailer, where there's these flippers, right? So you drive out into the field, and these flippers connect with all the golden nuggets, and they spread them from one side to the other while you drive. It's great for the environment. You're kind of repurposing all of the lovely golden nuggets. And so this day, this is, by the way, is the hottest summer in te Tennessee history since they started recording stuff back in the mid-1800s, okay? It was hot. And so I'm out there, you know, like in a tank top or something, and I, I pop it I, I pop it on, I, and the conveyor belt starts, and, and I didn't realize that it had broken that day, and so the conveyor belt actually went to, like, warp speed, faster than any of the options. Like, it just started cruising. It was pushing all of the golden nuggets back, and the, the flippers were also going at warp speed, so you had golden nuggets. Instead of flying nicely to one side and to the other, they came flying directly directly toward me and over my head and I'm getting pelted by these warm golden nuggets and uh, they're kind of and I'm like what I turn around bam 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 <laughs> so I quick turn the thing off and I'm I got I got it all over me I just look up at the sky and I'm like god like why what did I ever do to deserve this like did, like if you didn't like me couldn't you just come down and tell me you know, like John 3 16 couldn't you have written that a little different for God's love the world except Harry I really don't like that guy like, I'm like, what in the world? Why? What is going on here? Wasn't I faithful? Wasn't I good? Wasn't, was, wasn't I a good stick for you? Like, wasn't I producing some stuff? And God's like, eh, we'll just, we'll just get rid of that. And, and seriously, it was so difficult because I felt stuck. I felt like I couldn't, I wasn't being who I was meant to be. Be careful. Be careful in a season of fruitfulness. Be careful in a season of fruitfulness that you don't confuse your fruit with your calling. You don't confuse your fruit with your purpose because only the farmer really knows your, the stick's purpose. Only God really knows your purpose. You can see where you're fruitful. You can see where you're successful, but only God knows why. And so God was just kind of ignoring me. And one day we had this awesome time of worship in his presence. And I went home into our shack. We lived in the guy, it was the guy who owned the property. It was his hunting lodge. There was just plywood walls. It was like six foot by like 10 feet. It was also our storage unit. And um, I went, Roe was taking a nap. And I went into the bathroom because it was the only other room. And so I put the toilet seat down. And I just sit there and I'm just like, God, like this is wonderful feeling your presence. But what the heck? Like, why am I stuck here? Why don't you let me do the things that you called me to do? And God began to speak to me and he said, Harry, I, I love you more than what you can do for me. I want you for more than what you can do for me. I want you just to be my son. Because what's, what's interesting is when you start preaching like I did at age 12 and you jump into ministry with both feet and my brother and I are serving at the church and others, you can pretty easily over the course of multiple decades 
begin to confuse your fruit with your calling. Begin to confuse your fruit with your purpose. You can start to confuse those two. And God said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm isolating you. I'm separating you so that you can know my heart for you, not for what you do. And it, something clicked inside of me. And I'm like, so, okay, so what do I need to do? And he's like, yeah, there you go again, Harry. No, I, I, you don't need to do anything. You need to be something. You need to be what I'm shaping you to be. You need to allow me to to pick off some things because you don't really know your purpose. The stick doesn't know its purpose. It's the, it, and, and in fact, the stick, this particular stick in the Bible, even though it was cut down, it was, it was not left on the ground. The farmer picked it up in his hands and took it back to his house, near his house, laid it on a large rock and allowed it to dry out in the sun. And every day he'd roll it a little bit more and roll it a little bit more. And the stick is, is realizing that sap is drying up. It's dying. It's losing everything that it ever, it ever had. The only thing it knows is that it's still near the farmer. The only thing it knows is that it's still in the farmer's hands. And so during this time of crisis, I want to speak to you that the only source of hope right now is not your ability to produce things is not your ability to be something that you always wanted to be. It is your ability to be held by God. This is why 1 Peter says, submit yourself under the mighty hand of God because his hand is mighty. The true power of the stick is not within itself. It is within the hand that is holding it. This is how I know. This is how I know that I'm going to be okay. This is how I know that we're going to be back here in this room together. This is how I know that, 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 that God is going to work all things together for good to them who love him. Not because I know what tomorrow holds, but because I know who's holding me. That I am in his hands. Jesus, Jesus said, by the way, Jesus, before he, before he died, he told his disciples, he said, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me, to him. And he never once said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to distribute it to you guys. I'm going to pass it out, give you a little bit. Give you, he, he never said that. He said, I want you to know, just, just so you know, all power is in my hand. In fact, he said, he said, the ones the Father has given me, he's placed in the Father's hand, and no one can pull him out of the Father's hand. Because the strength of your calling is not in your ability to, to, to believe or be faithful or do something. It is in the power of his hand. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, well, that means I guess I'll never lose my salvation. That's not, that's not what he's talking about. He's telling you that no matter if it's height, nor depth, nor, nor breadth, nor sickness, nor health, nor, nor principalities, nor demons, nor anything can separate us from the love of God, from the hand of God. And so as I submit myself, that's key. Peter said, submit yourself under the mighty hand of God. Submit yourself. Allow, rest in his hand. Stop reaching for power Start reaching for rest. Just rest in his hands. The job of the stick is to just rest in the hand of power. Jesus said, all power has been given, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. But then he told his disciples in another place, he said, my peace I give you. My peace I leave with you. See, peace is for us, power is for him. Peace is for us, power is for him. And what I've noticed is people who don't have peace they have a lust for power because they're trying to make up for the lack of peace. So oh, I want to be a powerful man of God. But you don't know how to talk to your wife respectfully. Be a powerful man of God, but you're not content with your husband. 
Come on, somebody. Can, can, I, nobody's here, so I can't see your faces. I can't. No, none of that. Like, I'm, just, I'm just throwing this out there. A powerful woman of God, but you can't, you can't control your kids. Because look, kids, I've noticed kids and animals, I think, they respond to people who are at peace with themselves. And when you don't have peace in yourself, you cannot bring peace into your home. When you don't have peace in yourself, you cannot bring peace into your marriage relationship. It has to start right here. Are you resting in the mighty hand of God or are you trying to manipulate God to do something? Look, it is time. If coronavirus, you are, you are quarantined. You can't get out of it. Man, like, come on. It's time to rest in the mighty hand of God. What more has to happen before you realize you were never in control? He is in control, so I rest in his hand. I put myself in his hand, and he, Peter says, he will pick you up. He does the heavy lifting around here. He does the calling. He does the holding. He has the power, which brings me to my second point, that number one, it went from a seed to a stick, but number two, man, the stick had to go from a stick to a staff. God is morphing you. God is changing you. You're in a season of transition right now. You cannot stay the same because you don't know your purpose. You know where you were fruitful, but you don't know why. God knows why. And all along, the farmer had been preparing the stick not to be a fruitful branch, but rather to be a staff. And I know this, and this is where we're going to pick up on the scripture. I know this because of what the scripture says in Exodus uh, chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4 tells us that uh, if we have that on the screen, Exodus chapter 4. Oh, my, my iPad's wigging out. It says, The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. It's a small little verse. We can just leave that verse up. Small little verse, but it's powerful because it, it, it's telling us who this stick belongs to. It belongs to Aaron. Aaron is Moses' brother, and as we've been reading the story of the tabernacle, uh, we know that uh, Moses was the one who was up on the mountain receiving instruction from God. But before Moses was the great fearless leader, Moses was a man full of shame and fear. And shame and fear caused him to run away from uh, his purpose. And so he ran away from Egypt where his people were, where his brother Aaron was. And for 40 years, he's living on the backside of the desert, hiding out, until God finally appears to him in a burning bush. Man, if you don't think the Bible isn't weird, I'll tell you what, you want to read some crazy stuff? Like, you don't need to go to fiction. You just read the Bible. Like, he's walking along, and this bush starts burning, and it starts talking to him. And Moses turns aside, and he's like, uh, yes? And it's God, literally, like, God took over the bush. And God's telling Moses, okay, Moses, Here's the deal. I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to go back to your purpose. No matter how long you've been away, God is still, God hasn't changed his purpose. Moses is 80 years old at this point, all right? He's old. He's, he's if, 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 it, if coronavirus were going on at that time, man, he is, he is hiding out because this is, he's a dangerous age. He's weak. He's 80 years old. He's ready to, re he re he's already retired. He's getting checks from the government, all right? For the past 15 years, he's been hanging out. The dude is, he's not in his prime. He's 80 years old and God says, all right, cool. Now's the time to get back to your purpose. It's never too late. If you're still breathing, if you're still breathing, God's still able to work. And so he's still, he's still, he's still there and, 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 and he's standing before God and God says, go back. And Moses says, I'm not a good speaker. And so God says, 
to Moses. He says, okay, I will have Aaron, your brother, speak for you. And what happens is at the same time that he's talking to Moses over in Canaan, he's also now talking to Aaron saying, man, get your stick, get your staff, and go meet your brother. And so what's really cool is if you could see this from a bird's eye view, Moses leaves the burning bush experience and starts making his way toward Egypt. Aaron leaves Egypt, starts making his way toward Canaan, and they meet in the middle. They meet at Mount, the mountain of God or Mount Horeb, which, by the way, this is the same mountain that Aaron and Moses are going to bring the people of Israel back to that God is going to descend on and give them the, 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 the instructions for the tabernacle and the, the Ten Commandments and the whole thing. I mean, if you don't think God won't use where you've been, to bring you, for you to bring others back to the same place where he brought you. I'm telling you, even, even when you're running away through fear and shame, God can still use that, that journey away from him to help you bring others to him. And so they, they, they're, 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 they're converging on the mountain and Moses is, is walking up one side of the mountain and Aaron is walking up the other side and Aaron's 83 years old. You think Moses is old? Aaron's three years older. And so Aaron now has his staff former branch former stick and now the staff begins to understand something the staff begins to understand why it had been cut down why it had been uh stripped because this this old man needs this staff he's leaning on it as he's climbing the mountain he's climbing a mountain for crying out loud the dude's 83 years old climbing a mountain and he's and he's and he's and he's having to go between these these tough you know ravines and 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 crags in the mountain and and many times this staff is holding him up pulling him up keeping him upright and he's making his way climbing up the mountain this is this is one of the things that god does he will take you from a season of fruitfulness and bring you into a season of usefulness because yeah, you were producing fruit, you were feeding a family, uh, you are producing some almonds, but now you're actually saving this man's life. Now the farmer is putting his weight on you. Now he's leaning on you. Now he's trusting you. And that's a whole new relationship that this stick has with the farmer. God wants to bring you into a new relationship with him. Oftentimes a season of stripping and breaking prepares us for a new season where he begins leaning. And he begins leaning on us. And he begins leaning. He begins allowing, trusting us with the weight of other people, with the weight of, call, of a calling, with the weight of responsibility. Because, but, 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 but here's the deal. You didn't realize that the whole time you were producing all that fruit, you were also growing stronger. And you thought it was all about the fruit. And God says, no, it's about what's happening in the strength of this stick. Because I'm going to put weight on it and it's not going to snap. And Aaron is climbing up this mountain and he's pushing himself, pulling himself, willing himself up this mountain. And on the, other, on the other side of the mountain, Moses is coming up and they meet at the top. Man, I would have loved to have been a fly on the cave wall of that meeting. <laughs> or maybe just the stick, I guess. I would have loved to have been the staff because it actually was a part of the meeting. We don't know what the meeting was like except that Aaron kissed him. So no six foot rule um, there. <laughs> Uh, he doesn't hold back. Uh, Aaron kissed him. But that's, that's profound. He hasn't heard or seen his brother in 40 years. Last time he saw him, he was a guilty, fear-filled, shame-filled person running off into the desert. He didn't even know if he was alive. And 40 years later, there's this awesome reconciliation that happens on that mountain. And the staff is a witness to it. And, and Aaron is standing there. We don't know what the conversation was like, but we do have some clues to it because when Moses was talking to God, he's like, what should I tell the people? I'm back. 
no, that's not going to work. Uh, I am now a prophet. So, um, yes, last time you saw me, I was killing people. But uh, now I'm reformed. And no, that's not, that's, that's not how that works. Instead, God said, how about you not talk about you? How about, how about, how about we not do that? How about, how about it's not about you? How about it's not about you proving yourself? And Moses said, okay, what's, what's your name then? We, I know you're the God of my father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 400 years ago, Jacob was alive. And I know you, you were the one who established this family. But what's your name? And God said to him his name, which is an interesting name. He said, I am that I am. Uh, oftentimes when we talk about God, we say that his name is I am. And that's partially true. But technically, it is I am that I am. And it's, that doesn't make much sense. Well, I am that I am sounds redundant. Technically, if you read in the original language, it technically says, I will be whatever I will be. And this is, this is kind of like the song that we sang today. You, every day gets sweeter, every day gets better. Why? Because he will be whatever he will be. You need to understand something, that God takes us through processes. But part of that process is not just for us to be different, but rather it is to see God differently. Part of the process, he says, he says look, okay, so if, so if you want a name for me, let's just say I will be whatever I will be. Well, no, I'm looking for a name, a particular word that describes you. Well, that's the thing. There is no particular word that describes God because in each and every situation, he will be whatever he will be. Now, that doesn't mean that he changes. He, he says, I'm the Lord, I change not, he's immutable. But it is to say that in each and every situation, we need something different. In each and every situation, we're going to see something different. In each and, because for 400 years, right, you had, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, I'm the God of Jacob. But then, what about the God of the slaves for 400 years? Where'd that God go? Where's he been for 400 years when well, we've been stripped and broken and laid out on this desert floor? Where has he been? No, I will be whatever I will be. And so with, with Abraham, I was doing something. With Isaac, I was doing something. And with Jacob, I was doing something. And with the slavery, I was also doing something. I will be what I will be. I was watching you dry out because I was preparing you for what was coming. And now, now for the slaves, now I'm shifting. And it's not that God's changing, but he's changing the way that he's interacting. Now I'm changing. I'm not, I'm not sitting back and watching anymore. You are now dried out. I'm now going to pick you up. I'm now going to lift you up and take you out of Egypt and take you into the land that I promised you. I will be whatever I will be. And I want to say that to some of you as you're watching this right now. God will be whatever he will be. And what, wherever you are, he says, I am that I am. I am Wherever you are, if you're, if you're Moses and you've been in the wilderness for a long time because you've been running away, fear and shame, God, is, he says, I am. I am there. I am also over here with Aaron. I am also at the Red Sea. I am also in the slavery. I am also in the difficulty. I am also in the triumph. I am also in the glory. I am also, I am, and, 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 I, and, and my, my being transmits itself in every phase of life. In every situation, he is. This is my hope. This is my, 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 my security. Not that I, not that Harry is something, but rather that God is. And that he will be whatever he will be. In whatever situation I find myself, God will be. What will he be? I don't know. Whatever he will be. It's not my, when, when we get obsessed about the outcome, that's where anxiety kicks in. 
When we get obsessed about the outcome, that's where pressure builds. That's where we can't sleep at night. That's where, that's where we get anxious. That's where we're like, well, what about this? And what about that? The outcome is not up to me. My job is to rest in the mighty hand of God. He's holding me. He's turning me from a stick to a staff. But the same, the same hand that held the seed. Come on. If he, if he started you from nothing, if he invented you before the world began, before he pulled this ball of dirt up out of the waters, and, uh, dripping wet, and started speaking things into existence, if he knew that we would be here in 2020. Look, I, we didn't know 2020 was going to be like this. A few months ago, people were like, 2020 is going to be the best year ever. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to be slimmer. I'm going to be smarter. I'm going to be faster. It's going to be great. I don't see those memes anymore. <laughs> 2020 didn't turn out so red hot and we're just getting started and we're who knows what's going on but God knew it hasn't caught him by surprise it hasn't hasn't shocked him it hasn't made him step back and say oh my goodness maybe I should rethink this no he's using it for his glory and for our good he's using it but you must submit to his hand you must rest in his hand you'll see that you go from a seed to a stick from a stick to a staff and then the, our stick went from a, a staff to a symbol. Because after Aaron and Moses had this little conversation, they, uh, they, moved, they, they, they moved from the mountain and they went back to Egypt. They went on, they went on back to Egypt. And, and, and uh, we, find, we find that that passage throughout the early chapters of Exodus. If you want to check it out, you should sometime. But it's, it's multiple chapters of what, what's called the Ten Plagues. And what's interesting, man, you read that story now in light of the staff, Aaron's staff, and you realize that God never told Moses to use his own staff. There were a couple of different miracles where God wanted a staff to be involved. Every single time, he said to use Aaron's staff. The very first one is actually the very first miracle. Moses and Aaron stand before Pharaoh and they say, hey, um, how about you let the people of God go? And Pharaoh says, um, how about I don't? And they say, no, you really should. And he's like, I don't think I will. And so, that's paraphrase. And then God tells Moses, tell Aaron to throw down his staff. Tell Aaron to throw down his staff. So Aaron's standing there. The thing he, he, he brought up from seed to stick, from stick to staff. This thing has fed his family. This thing has saved his life. This thing has been his source of strength and stability. Even while he's standing there, the dude's 83 years old. I, I'm, I'm wondering, is he going to be able to keep standing without that staff? It's like, I don't know. It's like, throw down your walker. Well, okay. I'm trying to, it's kind of using it here, Lord. No, he says, throw it down. Throw down your staff. And he throws down his staff and it becomes a snake. And I don't know if you know this or not, but snakes are really significant to the Egyptians. That's why the, most of the pharaohs, they had that little golden little snake head thing because it was a part of their, 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 their pagan worship. Very, very significant. And Pharaoh sees that and he's like, what the stick just became a snake? That's right, because God is still morphing what he's doing in you. And this is, this is where Aaron begins to see something. He thought the stick was for his family to feed it. Then he thought the stick was for his own life to support it. Now he realizes that the purpose of the stick was bigger than him or his family. It is now, it is now for the entire known world. God is using his staff as a symbol to the entire known world that there is a God in heaven and that he is powerful and that he will save his children. But 
but Aaron had to let it go. So this is my challenge to you. You may be holding on to some things and during this season, you might just have to let it go. You're like, I'm not prepared. It's all right. You might just have to let it go. Because if it, even in its, in its beautiful staff form, it's still a seed. It's still a seed. Aaron held it when it was little seeds and he sowed it. He let go. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat uh, falls to the ground, it, it'll remain alone. But if it is planted, if it, go, if it leaves the hand of the one who's holding it, it will produce fruit. And so Aaron realized that when it was a seed, he put those seeds in the ground. But now that he's put some work into it, it's harder to let go because it's hard to see it as a seed. You can, it's easy to see things as a seed when they're in seed form. But when they grow a little bit, it's so hard to remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, my marriage is still a seed. Even though I've been working on it for years, and even though we figured some things out, this is still something that I'm not supposed to hold on to. I'm still supposed to release this into God's hands, and that God can still make this even better than it ever was. Not so that I can have a great marriage, but so that I, my marriage can be a symbol to the rest of all of my friends and all of my community and Facebook community to what God can do. And, and your children, even grown children, they're still a seed. You might have to release them from your hand. You might have to put them in God's hands. You might have to let go of it, stop holding it, stop trying to control it. You may have to release it, but when you release it, you realize that God wasn't just trying to bless you, and he wasn't just trying to bless your family, that God was trying to bless the entire world through what he's been building inside of you. You're going to have to release it. You're going to have to let it go. You're going to have to stop trying to control it, control the outcome. You may have to release it and let it go. He lets it, he drops his staff and it turns into a snake. And Pharaoh says, my goodness, that's cool. And his advisors are standing next to him. They're like, ah, we can do that. They have sticks also. They throw them down. They become snakes. But then Aaron's staff, well, his seed turns stick, turns staff, now symbol or snake. Man, Pastor Wright would be so proud of me. All of the S's I got going on today. Come on, somebody. That snake slithers around and eats all the other snakes. <laughs> Why? Because God won't share his platform with anybody. God won't share his glory or his praise or his worship with anybody. And it may be that he's just been waiting for America to get to the place where we finally said, you know what, I, I, I don't think we can do this. And then he said, okay, great. All the other snakes are gone. Your, relying on, your, your reliance on the economy, your reliance on politics, your reliance on all sorts of, lovely, that's all gone? No more snakes around? No more gods hanging out? Starting to feel hopeless? Well, good. Now you can look to someone who actually holds out hope for not only America, but for Rwanda, for New Zealand, for the entire world. Jesus is the hope of the world. He always has been, and he still is today. And so he, 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 but he's looking for symbols, man. Because when, when Moses and Aaron finally walked out of Egypt with, with was it like two and a half, three million people behind them? You know who was out in front? Moses was out in front and Aaron was out in front with this, with this staff. And, 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 and God didn't want anybody worshiping the staff God didn't want anybody worshiping Aaron. All the glory went to him. All the honor went to him. All the credit went to him. And I'm telling you, when we walk out of this thing, 
I pray that there are some symbols of God's power, that there are some sticks that have become symbols, that they're not just interested in getting their own life working, but they are interested in in being a part of the overall purpose of God in this region, in this country, in this world. God, how can you use me? How can you, how can you make me a symbol of your grace, a symbol of your love, a symbol of your power, a symbol of your healing? Father, use, use people in City Chapel as symbols of your power, symbols of your faith, that even when, when, when other people are, are falling in prey to hysteria and fear, that we are symbols of your strength, not of our own, but of your power. Lord, make us a symbol. My final point is that it went from a symbol to a sign. In Numbers 17, uh, they'll have it here on the screen for you. And this is finally where it's going to start to make sense why I'm talking about a stick. We've been talking about the tabernacle for the past uh, little while. And I've been preaching about the tabernacle. We're finally in the Holy of Holies. We're in the most holy place where there is the Ark of the Covenant, which is where the presence of God dwelt. Last week, we talked about the fact that God commanded manna to be placed inside of the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place. And today, I want to talk to you about this stick. Number 17 tells us uh, that the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and get from them a rod from each father's house all of their leaders according to their father's houses 12 rods write each man's name on his rod why because his staff represents his life his his rod represents his life and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi for there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house now why is God doing this well the context is if you read number 16 you will see that uh, they basically got the tabernacle erected they got it built um, they got everything set that God had told them to do and then uh, debates started uh, then opinions started flying. Come on, somebody. Uh, my goodness. Somebody said, oh, I think I should be in charge. No, I should be in charge. No, so-and-so should be in charge. They were arguing about who should be the priests in God's tabernacle. Look at this. Look at this. Like, <laughs> they're in church arguing about what's the best church. This is what's crazy. This is why we're the world's okayest church, in case you're wondering, why do they call themselves that? Because we're not in competition with any other church. It's ridiculous to want to serve God, but I'm going to be the best servant. That's why I'm going to be the number one servant. Okay, that is upside down. To be a servant is to be the lowest. So anyway, we believe in being just, we're all one family. If you believe in Jesus and you put your faith in Jesus, you're preaching the, the person and work of Jesus, we're with you. Let's go for it. But, but not, not these guys. They're like, hey, uh, so um, uh, who's going to preach? Who's going to lead worship? Um, I got to have a spot on the stage. And they're arguing back and forth, and it doesn't take long before God to just get tired of this. And so God in number 17 says, all right, all right, all right, Moses, this is what you're going to do. All right, we're not going to have a committee. We're not going to form a board. All right. Uh, anyway, um, uh, instead, instead, we're going we're gonna to get some sticks. So God tells Moses, collect, all, collect a stick from each tribe, 12 sticks all together, 12 staffs. And it shall be in verse 5, uh, well, in verse 4, it says, Then you shall take those sticks and place them 
in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony, that is, in the most holy place, in the holy of holies, right in front of the Ark of the Covenant, where God's presence is. I want you to take all these 12 sticks, take them into the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you, and it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose, whom I choose, God's still interested in calling the shots, the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom, Thus, I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel. I love Jesus. He's so sweet and kind and tender. He's like, y'all need to shut up. And I'm going to deal with this. And so Moses does it. And in verse, you scroll down to verse 8. It came to pass on that next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness. And behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds not only that it had also produced blossoms not only that it had yielded ripe almonds and he took it out to the people and they were like wow what happened the stick well the seed that became a stick that became a staff that became a symbol was changing again was morphing again and in verse 10 we see what it's becoming the lord said to moses bring Aaron's rod back he he had taken it out to show everybody there's always a season where there's a bit of glory and people are "Woo! look at that that's awesome and that's fine but then God said bring it back before the testimony to be kept to be kept to be preserved to be placed here as a sign against the rebels (laughs) that you may put their complaints away from me In other words, the seed became a stick, became a staff, became a symbol, became a sign. To who? To the rebels. Who's the rebels? Uh, That's us. (laughs) We all complain. We all want to be in charge. We all have little stuff, some problems in our life. And God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put this back into the Holy of Holies as a sign to them sign of what well what happened what what happened was they took all 12 sticks and they placed them before the presence of God and 11 of those sticks lived in the presence of God all night and nothing happened and God said yep those sticks can go away we don't need those but one of those sticks found in the presence of God see it you, you remember the story. It had been cut off from its root source, its life source. There was no more sap in it. Nothing was growing because life was not in it. It had been cut down. But one of those sticks, when placed in the presence of God, found a new life source. Not connected to the ground, but connected to the sky. Not growing from below, but coming down from above. One of those sticks found a brand new life source. And in that environment, the presence of God, it connected with the life source of God. And that life source is powerful. That's more powerful than being connected to the ground. It would have taken it years to produce everything that it produced in one night. And so one stick found a brand new life source and began to produce brand new life. God said, that's the stick I want as a sign. 
to these rebels because these rebels even though they're broken down even though they're complaining even though they're full of sin and arrogance and even though they're messed up even though they've they, they even though they can be in my presence and not feel anything I want them to know that as a sign through all the generations that it is possible it is possible to find life it is possible even if you don't know how to connect with it just to be in the presence of God will bring life it's a sign to the rebels that God hasn't stopped working it's a sign to us rebels that God hasn't given up on us it's a sign to us rebels that actually right around 1500 years after this moment there would come another stick scripture calls him the seed of the woman and he also calls him the stick or the little, the little, the little offshoot of, of Jesse. And he calls him the rod of Jesse as well. And he was a symbol to his day. And he's assigned to us right now. His name is Jesus. And he was stripped down and he was broken. And he was, he was nailed to a cross. And then he was pulled down off of that cross and placed into a tomb. And, and, and he was placed into that tomb overnight. Technically, he was in there for two days. And he rose on the third day. But the third day was actually the first day of the next week. So if you're looking at a weekly calendar, he was in there in one day. On the next day. On the next day of the week. They came to find his dead, broken, stripped body and they couldn't find it. Instead, they found a new body, a body that had a new life source that it was no longer pulling from its blood and its lungs. Rather, now it was being supported by the very power of God that the same, and this is what scripture says after that fact, it says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead the same power that made that stick come back to life is available to us here and now. Man, I don't, I don't know how dead you are. I don't know how disconnected you feel. But I know somebody that was really dead. Completely cut off. That's what Isaiah said. It said, who will remember him? He's been cut off from his generation. I know somebody that was really dead. But when placed in the presence of God, he found a new life source. And right now in heaven, in the real Holy of Holies, right now is a budded staff. It is, it is a resurrected body. It is Jesus who was dead, who was, who was dead and is alive forevermore, is what Revelation says. And he is a sign Scripture says he ever lives to make intercession for us. I don't know if that necessarily means that he's talking all the time. I think it means that he is a sign in the very presence of God that whatever we're going through, however dead we feel, whatever's been, whatever we've lost, whatever's been broken, whatever's been stripped down, however many times we have changed and shifted and gone back and forth and back and forth, that when we look up to the heavens, that when we think about Jesus, we see in him a brand new beginning, new life coming forth. He is a sign to this generation and every generation that if God did that to him, God can do that for you. God can do that for me. I know I'm going kind of late this morning, but we only got one service, so whatever. Man, I sense like, I just sense the presence of God just speaking. Submit yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will pick you up. 
if you want him to pick you up this morning. Could you just close your eyes with me and raise your hands right where you're at in that act of, honestly, little kids, they look up to their parents, they go like this, pick me up. Jesus, we come before you, we raise our hands right now. We want to be picked up. We want to, Dad, we want you to pick us up. We want you to raise us up. We, we submit to your hand. Lord, forgive us for going our own way. Forgive us for just losing sight of who we are and who you are. Forgive us for confusing our fruit with our purpose. Forgive us, Lord, for living lives that don't really need you to even be real because we got it all sorted. We got it figured. But Lord, we don't anymore. That's become abundantly clear. Thank you for the clarity. Thank you for clarity, Lord. Thank you for uh, using this crisis to wake us up, to stir us up, stir up faith right now. Not just clarity. Clarity without faith just produces anxiety. Stir us, stir up faith right now that you were able to raise Christ from the dead. You are also able to do this in our bodies right here and right now. You can bring life. That's why this, the stick of heaven is kept. It's preserved in heaven as a sign. We look to Jesus and that's our sign. He is the staff in the wilderness. People look to and are healed. He's the staff that eats up all the other snakes in our life. He's the staff that deals with everything. You don't ask us to be perfect when, you, when we come to you. You just ask us to be perfectly submitted. So Lord, from this day forward, we choose to submit to you. You would have your perfect way in us. In Jesus' name. Man, if God's speaking to you, I'd really love for you to leave a comment in the comment section. That way we can reach out to you and pray for you. Um, if you need prayer, actually, if we could just put that slide up again uh, for the phone number for prayer. You might this, this message might have spoke to you. We have people standing by right now to pray for you. That's our altar call. Normally you come down to the front sometimes, but not today. Pick up your phone. Come on, let's 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 take let's take the virtual hand of somebody else. Let's let's link our faith up with somebody else. It's, it's important. It's important that you don't let moments of revelation pass you by. It's important you don't just take the revelation and say, "Ooh, that's good," and go on with your life. No, it's important that you build an Ebenezer. You build something. You say, "This is this is my decision today. This is my movement today. I'm getting closer to God today. I'm putting my faith in Him." And maybe you already put your faith in Him 20 times, but this is time again to renew that faith. You can do it on a phone call. You can do it by posting something on Facebook. Everybody will see it. Yeah, that's the point. Like literally that's it. It's the boldness that says I'm stepping out. I don't care who sees me. I don't care what they think. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Under the mighty hand of God. Because it is a mighty hand of God. If you could, if uh, if you can see me again, awesome.
Um, I, I do want to thank you for watching us today. Our live stream is about to end, but it's been awesome to be with you. Um, I'm so glad that we have this medium where we can connect and um, pray with each other. We're going to be having a prayer meeting this week. So um, we've been working on the tech side of this to do it, um, but I think it's come together now Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, 8 o'clock. Um, a couple of us are going to be here at the church, socially distanced. I don't know if that's a thing. Um, worshiping and receiving prayer requests. We're going to go live on Facebook as well as on our website so that it's not just for our church, it's for everybody. Um, we're also going to be in another stream, streaming in our prayer team so that they can pray over these prayer requests and uh, pray with us and we can hopefully hear them at the same time. And uh, it'll be like a good old fashion prayer meeting just with millions of, of people. And so I really want you to um, try to attend that. I know you're probably going to be busy Wednesday night at eight o'clock. You're out doing nothing. Uh, you are available. So I'd love for you to come and just watch us online and uh, pray with us, submit prayer requests. Let us, let us bind and loose. Let us connect together. Let us be the church. Uh, that's who we are and that's what we do. So um, we'd love for you to connect in that way. Um, also, uh, we'll be posting some stuff for um, small groups that you can still be a part of online. Um, kids ministry, if you're, your kid wasn't on the Zoom meeting this past week and they want to be, uh, just leave that in the comments. All right, let us know. We'll reach out to you. We'll get you connected. Um, if you have a church family, that's awesome. You can still be connected. That's all right. If you don't have a church family, We'd love for you to, to be a part of our church family online right now. Uh, but either way, we want to um, be the church and continue to love on you. If you want to help serve in any way, let us know in the comment section. If you want to deliver food, if you want to be here in the curbside pickup when needy families are picking up food, please let us know. We will put you to work. Uh, we got some gloves and some Lysol, and uh, it's good. It's good. It's good stuff. But anyway, love you. I'm so thankful for the tech team, all the folks doing stuff behind the scenes, making this happen. Uh, you'll never know the price that was paid, um, but Jesus does. Jesus knows the cost of our worship, and he, uh, he's still working on us, and it's awesome. I'm glad he hasn't given up on me. He won't give up on you. I'll see you all next, next week, I guess. <laughs> You're dismissed. <laughs>